0: Okay, should we open us up in prayer? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what it starting to sound like.
0: Welcome to Indecent Order, where we are a brother-sister duo trying to combat chaos in our whole lives, because basically our lives are chaos, and we're trying to make them not chaos. Would you agree, brother? Chaotic. What's chaotic? Not chaotic. Huh?
1: Make them not chaotic, right? Is that's, that's right.
0: What? We... We we don't want our lives to be chaos. We want them to be right.
1: peaceful. I'm just, it was grammar. I was wondering what was correct.
0: Oh, no idea. Okay. How are you? Good. One time I had a mic in my hands. Yeah. Because it was karaoke.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: it was the first time I'd ever done karaoke. It was at like this book launch thing. It's even possible that someone listening to this was there. And I was excited. I'm like, I'm going to do it for the first time ever. I'm going to do karaoke. So I was looking through the list, looking through songs, and I picked Will Smith, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Summertime. I love that song so much. It's fun, silly, but like, you know, that easy groove. I got up there. First of all, could not hear the music. So I was, I knew I was off, like everything's off and I can't particularly sing that well. I sing okay, but more like, I'm like a choir singer. I do better in a group than a soloist. So I was off, could not hear myself, was off pitch and everybody just stared at me. Nobody laughed. Nobody jumped up on stage with me. Nothing except Blank looks and then polite applause when it was over. And I felt like I just had to keep going. I was like in my head having a dialogue. Like, I have, I can't stop. I cannot stop. If I do, it'll be the worst. But I want to just give them the mic back and go sit down.
1: <laughs> Wait, I, I think I missed the first part. Where was this?
0: It was like at a book launch. It was, a, it was like at this karaoke bar. This woman had written a book. And she had this big launch party, and I was invited. And
1: oh, did you have any friends there?
0: I had two girlfriends sitting with me. Yeah, no, I mean we weren't like super close, so that may have been part of the problem. Like I feel like if my BFFs had been there, they would have been like, "Oh man, we gotta get up there. We gotta help her." You know? Oh man. Yeah, it was. I not saw
1: great. your. I saw your uh, post. I don't know if it was in your story or where, but like the. Maybe it was a repost of somebody had, like, the friends are, you know, sometimes, always, never.
0: Yes, my friend Mary posted that.
1: Friends always or never abandon you on the karaoke
0: stage. Yeah, friends will get up there if you're doing terrible. Here's the thing. At that, at that launch, that book launch, there were all these, like, crazy talented women there. And they were so good. I'm like, what are you dang singers doing here? No, ma'am. Karaoke oh, they is were, bad people. They were taking it serious. They were, and they were, like, I was, like, actively mad at them for being so good. And one of them was a oh, client. Okay. I'm like, get out of here, client. You sound too good, and you're so pretty. Leave, please.
1: It sounds like you just had a bunch of bad luck.
0: It was not great. And I promise you, everybody stared at me like they had never heard that song. I'm like, did y'all know anything about this song in the 90s? This was like quintessential nineties. Do you know Fresh Prince? Do you know Will Smith? One of the most famous entertainers in the world. They just looked at me like they had never heard it before. Either they were a lot older than oh, me or a yeah. lot younger. And I'm not totally sure. I think maybe they were a lot younger. It was, Shame it was on one. one, it was one of the most embarrassing nights of my life. <laughs> it was like a year and a half ago. I will never do that again. Oh my gosh. If I go to karaoke. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, if I do karaoke again, I will be going with a um, dedicated wingman who will agree to do whatever uh, together. We will do it together.
1: I went karaoke with my group of friends here and our cousin. And it's like these little private rooms. And they could probably hold 15 or 20 people if you wanted. But there's just, I don't know, five or six of us in there. And we're just oh, singing.
0: that's fun
1: terribly and it was great
0: like don't stop believing that kind of stuff
1: oh absolutely and there's like a tambourine in there and you can just do whatever
0: oh, that sounds so fun it was fun. in dallas what where, where do y'all go to do that
1: it was some random place called uh, like family karaoke i think it they like served like some sort of asian food it's really kind of a strange mix but i guess it works
0: I mean, could you take your family? My family would have so much fun doing that. I suppose you could, yeah. I and there's that.
1: there's like a couple microphones,
0: like you could pass them around.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Wireless.
0: See, no this this humiliation of mine happened in probably like fr- in front of like seventy five people. Whoa. And it was around the time we left our old church, and a lot of my old church friends were there. It was just not great. <laughs> <laughs> mm, People wow. are like, "How's things going at your old church?" I'm like, and they didn't say old church; they said the name of the church. I was like, "Oh, we're not there anymore." <laughs> mm, this cake is good. Mm.
1: Wait, so all that we're... karaoke was while you're still at your previous church?
0: No, it was right after we left.
1: Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask if this the, is why you left the women... your previous church because all the, all your church <laughs> friends,
0: no, all no. you, no. The, the, face. no, the woman. Who wrote the book is kind of well known in that denomination and is a nice person. And she invited me along with lots of other people from that denomination. Get what I'm saying?
1: But she wasn't nice enough to join you on stage.
0: Well, she was the author. I think she was like signing books.
1: Too good for you.
0: <laughs> so today we're going to talk about how we have arrived in our careers at the point where we're at. Great this was a question given to us on our Indecent Order um, Instagram account. We've got a couple topic ideas. And I thought this one was pretty good. And it might be especially interesting as we progress, like in a couple of years, go back and listen and laugh at ourselves um, <laughs> at how we think we've gotten to where we are right now. Mm. Would you be interested in going first?
1: Um, doesn't matter to me. Enneagram nine here.
0: Yeah, you're so flexible. Well, I'm not flexible at all. So I'll go.
1: So okay.
0: I'm a decision maker. No, I'm flexible. Come on now. But uh-huh. I don't have I don't have any trouble making decisions. Mm. Okay.
1: Well, I sure do. Sometimes <laughs> I know.
0: You drive me crazy. Sorry. Just pull the trigger. And actually we can come back to that when we talk about you about pulling the trigger career wise, because you've had a major change and you did pull a trigger I have never really had a true career I mean I thought I would be a career girl I got my BA in psychology and really I majored in psychology at Purdue because oops, you didn't want to say that did you I majored not. I majored in psychology in college because I knew I loved people and I loved what making them tick I was a good listener and one of my girlfriends was like, you should major in psychology. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Me as a dumb dumb whatever, 17-year-old who had to declare a major. Was but this,
1: did you have like the longer term in mind of like you ended up doing your counseling degree at a seminary, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely doing psychology. I thought, yeah, I'm just going to be career, career track, do therapy or whatever. So it was actually our friend, Aaron Tatum, who told me to major in psychology, and I was like, you're totally right. What's funny, looking back, is all of my girlfriends, my closest high school girlfriends, we all went into basically this field, either social work, psychology, um, some type of helping profession in that way. so. So I really thought I'd be a career girl. After I got my BA and I was married by the time I got my degree, I went on to work at a psychiatric unit in a hospital, adolescent psychiatric unit. It was called APSI at the time. It was uh, at Lehigh Valley Hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And it was a locked unit for teens. I forget how many beds we had, but I'm going to guess it was 12, 12 beds. And these were kids who were either suicidal or self-harming or mm, a lot of them had a really, really tough childhood, really Tough parents in in whatever way, or no parents, or whatever. I loved the work. Uh, I loved the kids very much. I liked seeing what a diagnosis actually means in real life. And you know, there's plenty of people out there who are like, "Oh, I don't like a diagnosis. Don't put me in a box." But for me, a diagnosis is freedom.
1: Yeah, if it's got a name, you can like fix it or like help it.
0: Yes you can follow the path that others before you have started. It gives you some sort of framework to start from. When you don't have a diagnosis, you have confusion, sadness, depression, all these things. So I I quite enjoyed the diagnostic part of it. And my, my title was uh, Psych Tech, lowest of the low on the totem pole, other than maybe like the uh, custodians on my unit. <laughs> but what was cool is our... Our nurses and psychiatrists, they gave us a ton of respect and credit because we were the ones with the kids. We would talk one-on-one with the kids, or we would lead groups or monitor their behavior. And we, we charted. We wrote notes in their charts. So it's funny because even now, I write a lot of shortcuts, and people are like, were you a nurse? Because they use a lot of that medical jargon in, in my writing, if I'm writing quickly. I moved on to get My master's in pastoral counseling at a seminary in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So Uh,
1: was was there a gap between your...
0: Not a gap, but an overlap.
1: Oh, you started your seminary before you graduated?
0: Oh, no. Sorry. I thought you were going to say an overlap with the APSA unit. So no, I graduated. I got married, graduated, worked at the APSA unit, and then started a couple classes at seminary. And then eventually quit the APSE job so I could go full-time to get my counseling degree. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's that w- how long of a program? I think it's a, is it a three-year? No, I think it's a two-year and I did it in two and a you, half or something.
1: Oh, I thought it, you did it faster than normal.
0: Oh, no, my undergrad. I got my, uh, under, my four-year undergrad in three years.
1: Oh, that's impressive.
0: Uh Yeah, you know, Enneagram three <laughs> I got <laughs> to say, look what I did. Actually, yeah, Dad I- is, he's like, always like, you saved me so much money. <laughs> oh I did it by taking very full loads, 18 to 21 hours every semester in um, summer school. Mm. And I'm glad I did in a way because that meant I could get married to Dave in a way that made sense, like in a timeline that made sense. On yeah. the other hand, I missed a... F- and... and by the way, I finished my last semester at a different college because I was married. So in a way, I got half the college experience that a lot of people did. Like I was only at my college for two and a half years, whereas a lot of my peers were at their schools for five years. Dang. Yeah. So I was married a lot earlier than a lot of my friends even graduated college. Anyway, I went to seminary. It was, the, it was a convenience thing, meaning it was the closest master's program that had a counseling degree. The the denomination, um, it's a teeny tiny little Protestant denomination. I, I would not attend their churches. They're, it's a great denomination in a lot of ways, but you know, it's just not for me. I've got some theological differences, but I met some wonderful people who we still keep up with. In fact, one family who we met there, they come visit us once a summer with their 5 million kids, and it's awesome. Once I got my degree in... Um, counseling my master's degree I did work with some teens again like kids who had gotten suspended out of school suspension uh from school and I did like therapy groups with them and stuff but anyway at that time we ended up moving from Pennsylvania to New York I worked with a group of therapists we saw our own it was like each person was their own company but we all shared like a receptionist and and space if that makes sense
1: oh yeah my my uh Hair stylist feels like that.
0: Yes, exactly. It's a common way to do things. However, when you are not licensed and you do have to be licensed to take people's insurance as far as therapy, it, it takes thousands and thousands of hours to become licensed. So, normally when you graduate with a master's degree in some sort of counseling or social work, you would get a job at like an agency or something where you're on salary and you're just getting all these clients and that counts towards your hours in the way I did it, people had to pay me out of pocket. And at the time, and we're talking 15 plus years ago, I cost a hundred dollars an hour and I'm this newbie. I had to, it had to be a hundred dollars an hour. That rate was not set by me. It was set by my boss. And, um, so people to pay out of pocket for this young little newbie, I didn't have a ton of clients. I might have five clients a week or something, um and of course I didn't take that $100 home or anything. It was like half of that maybe. I really thought I was career track though. I wanted to get those hours, I wanted to get licensed. I had a mentor who was the psychology chair at a prominent university in Chicago and I was like that's what I want to do. I want to be the female version of this guy. You know, run a department, head teach all these things. Did you know this uh, about me at all?
1: No. <laughs> all these aspirations.
0: Oh, I know I was an Enneagram three back then too, apparently. Um, (laughs) And then I got pregnant and Dave and I had been married for eight years at that point. And I could not believe I was pregnant. I just, we both just assumed this is not what God has for us. Um, As far as being parents, we never like pursued medical information on why we didn't get pregnant. But I had these career ideas, so I was like, that's me. That's fine. I was never the person who was like, I just want to be a mom so bad. Not, there's nothing wrong with that, but that was just not me. So I got pregnant, and I was like, oh, snap. I get to do this? This is cool. I was super pumped. Um, and I had the baby, and my boss called me in, and he was like, right before I had the baby, he called me in, and he was like, hey, just so you know, it's not a sin for Christian women, Christian moms to work. And I was like, what? Okay, cool. I'll I'll talk to you in a year. And so I didn't, I was just naive. I didn't know at the time that there was this real, uh, I don't know if you want to call it fight or disconnect or whatever, a tension between working moms and stay-at-home moms, particularly in the Christian community. And I was just totally unaware of it. So when he was like, you can work, I'm like, yeah, cool. But who's going to watch my baby? <laughs> like. I did not even consider daycare or whatever. And of course, our our families lived far away. So I got to have this baby. I wanted to be the one taking care of him. And from the beginning, I should go back from the beginning of my marriage, we never counted on my salary. We just pretended any money I made wasn't there. Like we put it in savings or used it for extras, which is not saying a lot because I worked at places like a bank. I forgot that part. I worked at a bank as a teller for a while. I worked as a waitress for a little while. I was real bad at that, but anyway. So my Where top. You a at? at this restaurant called Friendly's in Allentown. Oh. <laughs> Mark, did I was our cousin so worked bad. there. She did. I think she did. She, uh, yeah, I, I I worked there for like three months, and I'm like, I'm bad at this. I forget about my customers. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah.
1: What? What were you bad at?
0: Oh, just I would forget to put their orders in. I would forget to check on them. It was. It was just, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I was probably like hanging out in the back being like, Hey guys, what y'all doing?
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't know. Uh, Our, our waitress last night at trivia forgot to put her stuff in and she was not checking up on us. Might've been a busy night. I don't
0: know. Oh man. That's, you feel sorry for him, but also you're really hungry. And so you're just like, can I, can you bring me some crackers? Maybe
1: I'm like, it's fine. Just put it in.
0: (laughs) So I got it. I mean, If you look at my career history, my top grossing year back in those days was probably like $10,000. So it wasn't like a big, humongous sacrifice for me to stay home with the baby. I wanted to nurse him. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to take care of him. I needed to be with him. So, and I was just over the moon that I got to do this thing that most women do, you know, like I didn't think I was going to be in that club, if that makes sense. I never really went back. I think I taught a couple classes after that, like in the evening when Tucker was little, but I just was so stressed about that. I was kind of a highly anxious mom. I probably should have been on medication at the time. Um, Just really nervous about being away from him. Irrationally nervous. I quit working for reals. And a couple years later, we um, had Calvin and moved to Alabama. And then a few years later after that, we adopted Gigi all of my career focus certainly became the kids. However, <laughs> after Gigi came home, maybe six months after she came home, and that was very stressful for a number of reasons. Just it's hard to bring a, a toddler into the home, and she was scared and had a lot of needs, and the boys had a lot of needs, and I became overwhelmed as well. And organizing helped in my own house, helped me feel like a sense of control because I felt like so much was not in my control. It wasn't in my control if my children obeyed me or if Gigi attached to me or anything. And so to have some small measure of control felt really, really good. So I organized and organized and organized. And then finally, I was like, I wonder if someone would want me to organize them. And in fact, would they pay me for it? Mm. So I started organizing other people's homes and like taking pictures and stuff, not really homes, but like small projects in their homes, like a drawer here or a laundry room. Do you remember there. your first? One of my first where I did a big tour, um, a whole house tour was, yeah, at my friend Sarah's house and Amanda, my good friend that lives down the street, she was doing this with me and we went to her house, we went through the whole thing and we made this whole report of like things that we felt would improve the organization and how she could do it, things she could buy, stuff like that. So that was one of my first real ones. She didn't pay me. (laughs) I wanted to do it for free. Like I asked her if she would let me do it. And she's like, sure, I guess. (laughs) So you (laughs) you just handed
1: her like a report and didn't like organize at that time?
0: I mean, I, I offered to, that wasn't something she wanted. She was, she just wanted to know what my ideas were that she could then carry out herself. And actually, we still have customers like that who want that. They want oh. ideas and then they're self-motivated and they can go do it themselves. It's it's I would say that's rare, but we do have those folks. So I started building a portfolio, made my name, got a logo. Actually, Sarah's husband, maybe that's what it was in exchange. He um, in exchange for the whole house tour and report, he made my logo, which to this day I use and love. Um Lead nice. Logic Creative. That is the name of his company. They do branding and websites. But anyway, so I, I liked that in doing other people's homes, people would listen to me and do what I said. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to our house where the children are like, why? No, I don't want to. Mm. And it was creative and it blessed other people. So all those things meant I just kept going. And officially became an LLC. And here I am. I went from my house to friends' houses. I even did some businesses, clients. I hired contractors because I couldn't handle the work myself. And now I'm doing most of the behind the scenes management and picking up a job here and there when I have time. So that's how I got here.
1: Do you like that part?
0: The behind the scenes?
1: Yeah.
0: There's some of it I like. There's a lot of it I like. I like collaborating with other people. I like coming up with ideas. I like trying to beat everybody else, (laughs) 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 which is not really a real fight. There's enough messy houses in the whole of Birmingham and Atlanta to where these cities can sustain lots of businesses, but I still want to be the best. Mm. I mean, I love being in the home. I love it. But it does take time away from necessary evils of running the business. I did a job last week with the, there were four of us on the job. It was so fun. It was just fun. I'm going to change some of the details just to keep the client's information private. But we'll say that she um, had a, a very large collection of, of pottery, handmade pottery and just buried in pottery, like shelves and shelves and bins and baskets full of pottery. And some of it had meaning, some of it she wanted to sell, some she wanted to donate. And as we're sorting through stuff, and I'm chit-chatting with her, and I was like, so what was your major in college? And she was like, pottery. And I was like, oh. And not only that, again, I'm going to have to change this to make the story make sense, but Previous to that, she wasn't able to do pottery. But then she was miraculously healed and could, have pot- could do pottery. So all that to say, she had an obsession with pottery that made perfect sense. And so we helped her sort through that. And she could kind of see how she had gotten herself there, how she wanted to move forward. How could she still honor the gifts of like beauty and creation in the pottery, but not get in a situation where she has to bring in a team of organizers to like get unburied. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I hear that's a tough uh, skill. Pottery. Yeah, get good. Well, at it that. wasn't
0: pot- It wasn't pottery. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it was something else that I can't say. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, I got it. Makes sense. Good on you for privacy.
0: It's a big deal to me. I don't ever want anybody to not trust me, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm yeah. like digging around in people's things. It is private, you know? It's oh, yeah. pretty brave for people to let me do it. So I try to make sure I always tell them, hey, this is confidential. Don't worry about it. Plus, everybody has these things. They just don't show anybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about you? How did you get to where you are? What are you?
1: What technology? Am I? Oh, person. What's my job?
0: Yeah. What's your job title?
1: Mm, trying to think. So I'm a consultant these days in incident response. So I investigate breaches like you see in the news, like Marriott, Sony, Equifax. Um, any of those kinds of events for usually like large, like Fortune One Thousand kind of folks, and so get to You're see smart. Maybe, but <laughs> there's a lot of smart people out there. Uh,
0: there field. really are.
1: <laughs> what
0: I said. There really are. <laughs>
1: I mean, my some of my colleagues are just brilliant people. So it it takes. It takes a team to do it all. Nobody knows it all. It's just, uh, it's really deep and wide, our field, even though it's like kind of a niche topic. So like the broad umbrella would be like IT, and then within that, you know, security. And then within that, you have incident response. So it's a pretty narrow thing, but inside of that, then you're investigating Windows and Macs and Linux. Um, phones, maybe even um, a lot of the cloud technologies.
0: Even a Kindle, which is what your thesis was on, right?
1: Yeah. So like my background would be more like law enforcement centric. So digital forensics and digital forensics and incident response kind of get lumped together. Um, There's a hashtag, hashtag DFIR.
0: Um, What does that mean?
1: Digital forensics and incident response. Okay. Maybe pronounce defer.
0: <laughs> you got that defer. Hashtag defer.
1: Hashtag defer. Um so that's yeah, that's what I do. Currently. All
0: right. So so tell us how you let's, let's, for the people.
1: Yeah, for the people. That's uh let's a long time down. ago. Um so yeah, went to college. And didn't really know what I wanted to do Enneagram nine, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm very indecisive. So uh on the like college application, I put like I couldn't decide between science and technology as the colleges. Um so I just put down science. I'm like, oh I'll just change it later. Not thinking it was a bigger deal. I mean it wasn't too hard to change. Uh so I was in the College of Science my first year, switched over to technology after talking to another student in the collegiate ministry. He was like a senior um, in the computer major, um, like the information technology major. So I I talked to him and it sounded interesting Um, for whatever reason. I switched, not really sure what was said in that conversation that made me decide, but that's what happened. So my senior year, I took a digital forensics course and I saw that as a path to, um, a job that I wanted. Um, that job didn't pan out. And so I did my master's went on to to do more education. This is like a couple of years after the recession. And so I didn't, um, I landed like a kind of a troubleshooting job like hardware replacement job i would go to people's homes or businesses and like replace ram or replace their screen or
0: something like oh, that Oh, interesting you you linked that to recession because people weren't wanting to buy new
1: well because i couldn't I, I don't know that i really knew how to job search at that time like i would do internship searches like in the spring. So I think most people will do the fall. And that's what I would tell my students, my uh, former students these days is do the fall. Well, I'm jumping ahead now. Got that job. And then I'm like, oh, I can't do this forever. <laughs> so I'm like, let me get my master's. And so I continued on um, in digital forensics. That's a two-year program. It took me four years. <laughs> and most students, I would say, probably do it in three, maybe two and a half. Uh, so I don't feel too bad. And um like one year I was TAing and I didn't get any work done on my thesis that year. So I'm going to like use that as an excuse with the master's. And I was still pursuing this one particular job, um, which also like still didn't pan out. So I went back home and worked at a bicycle shop. I'm like, all right, I'll hang out while I wait for, this phone call to come back from this company and the phone call never came. And so I ended up working like at the bike shop for like 10 months. So I emailed my old professor. I'm like, hey, I need some career advice. Uh, Can we meet for lunch? And we met up and he's like, hey, have you ever thought about teaching? And I'm like, color me intrigued. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I actually said that. And uh, he had a position available in a little Little known uh, to me, he had been promoted to department head. And so I got very lucky just being in the right place at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. So started teaching, had a year-long contract in my former department uh, where I was a student. Um, That contract got renewed for another year and then renewed again for a third year. Um and so that my, you
0: were not expecting you were not expecting those renewals
1: yeah they were there was a degree of uncertainty there for sure,
0: not like because I, of anything you do, but just that position doesn't typically get renewed right. that often
1: right you would you would need to justify for someone in that position a second year and a third year uh, have gotcha. a strong case for it, uh, especially a third year, and then a fourth year is unprecedented uh. So I Did don't you have do a, a fourth year? No. Um, okay. So I don't have a PhD. So it was, you know, time for me to move on just because the kind of position I would need, like a p- clinical professor position, wasn't available at the time. There was another professor that had one and he was leaving. I'm like, oh, great. This is perfect timing. But just because the department had a clinical position doesn't mean we get it back. So that clinical position goes back to the college, and then gets redistributed. And so it got you know, put into some other department. Um, so I wasn't able to stay there. So I put out on Twitter uh, that I was available for work and got some retweets. And um, somebody uh, in the consulting world, like my former boss, saw it. And he told me to apply. And actually, I got rejected. <laughs> like,
0: Wait, which former boss was it?
1: Oh, at, uh, well, so my, the guy that hired me, uh, this is complicated because I'm like in between roles right now. <laughs> so I'm trying to describe like, which job is it?
0: And you're so, trying not to say names. On purpose. Yeah, and I'm
1: trying not to say names. Um, So this, this job after my professor job, my manager hired me there my manager was the one that saw it on Twitter. He left that role a couple of months after I was hired. So that's why I say former manager. But on the other hand, I just got a new job offer and I just signed it last week. Um, and I'm going to go work for him again.
0: <laughs> okay. So let, let me break this down. Yeah. Please the, summarize. Yeah. Because for the people, I'm not sure if all that made sense. <laughs> So
1: Probably
0: not. After your professorship, you knew somebody, who, I didn't or know. you found this. I guy met him actually. on Twitter. Yeah, he helped you get hired at this place in Dallas. Yeah, and then he shortly after left that place of employment. Yes, you stuck around for about a year. Yes. Last week, you quit. <laughs> like <laughs> literally, in August 2019, you quit. Yes. And now you're heading to a competitor where your friend who you met on Twitter is now working and you're going to be working together again.
1: Yes. Correct.
0: Cool. So right now you're unemployed. Sweet.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm getting paid for this week, which is awesome.
0: Like, that is awesome.
1: Since I'm going to a competitor, they, they uh, tend to kick people out, <laughs> but they'll pay you. Oh,
0: yeah. They don't want you to uh, create havoc.
1: Yeah, I could probably have created a lot of havoc.
0: <laughs> you know, actually, someone in Dave's uh, line of work, which he's in mining, a totally different field, and this was probably 20 years ago, a guy got fired, but his keys weren't taken away, and he wasn't logged out. So he came back the night and he got fired and deleted and deleted and deleted all this, like, company information, data, Whoa. chemistry data, like... Was It was a complete obliteration. It was awful. <laughs> they changed their firing policy at that point. You will be escorted out with a security guard. You will hand over all your credentials. You will be locked out. It was bad.
1: Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, and so I also like gave them a start date with a couple weeks buffer because I wanted to, you know, chill out. A little bit, kind of take a vacation. So, yeah, I've got uh, a few weeks before I start and pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, and you're going to come see us, hopefully.
1: Hopefully, yeah. So my path has been, I guess, pretty linear. Like, I don't know that I've had too many choices put in front of me. Like, you know, doing after the master's and only having the one choice of like doing the professorship. Uh, and then from that Twitter, I applied to a bunch of places. Um, but the my form, former employer was the fastest. And uh, so I took that. And then, like, you know, months later, people are calling me. I'm like, oh, you're too late. Sorry.
0: Oh, my um, goodness. Months, huh?
1: It seemed like it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people haven't or don't see my professorship as valuable. And so that's been a roadblock for better or for worse for a lot of companies. Um, the quote is usually, so tell me about your real experience. Um, so that's, that's been a point of frustration in interviews.
0: So you're so, saying, you're like, I was a professor. And they're like, okay, cool. But do you have any real experience?
1: Yes, that's how that conversation. Gosh, go. that's
0: so insulting. I mean, beyond <laughs> the interpersonal problem here, it's also not true. You manage people and you manage your time and you learn new things all the time, you had to keep abreast of what's happening in the digital world.
1: Yeah. I was I thought I was I thought myself cutting edge. Um like I discovered in grad school on Twitter, like there's this huge digital forensics and incident response <laughs> community. And that's how I'd keep up with the latest and greatest things. And so I thought I was very well connected to reality. We had a strong relationship with local and state law enforcement there at our university. And, um, but I guess professors have a bad rap for being disconnected from the real world or I, I don't know what.
0: That is a real shame. I mean, and and to clarify, you really do use Twitter as a work. Um, oh yeah. thing. I don't know what you would call it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I follow digital forensics researchers and practitioners, just a bunch of people in the community. Um,
0: you're you're not using Twitter for fun. You are using no. Twitter for education and contacts networking.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I maybe follow a couple of like cat. Accounts just to have a little bit of fun in there, but
0: <laughs> as in kitty cats,
1: right? Right, <laughs> and uh,
0: have you made any friends on Twitter besides your one friend that hired you?
1: I mean, I talked to like a few like developers, like they make a tool that I use or something, and I'm like, hey, can you do this? Or hey, there's a problem here, what do you think of this? Um, but like. I don't know what you mean by, uh, like, how deep of a friendship do you want from Twitter?
0: <laughs> well, I was just, I'm, I'm getting to a point, but let me back up a little bit. You, you've gotten speaking gigs from Twitter, right? Didn't you teach at a conference because of your connections with some folks um, on
1: Twitter? What was that about? Yeah, I did, like, a training at a conference. Why? How did they know about me? I have to go back and look at my emails.
0: I really feel like it was an online connection. Well, I mean, I think the point I'm trying to make, it it has nothing to do with career, but a friend of mine, Jamie, says that if you're not making friends in real life that you met on the internet, you're doing it wrong. And in some ways, I would say if you're not making career connections on the internet, you're doing it wrong. You know, like, I think a lot of people, maybe it's more in my demographic, like more of the stay-at-home mom type or middle-class suburban, whatever, white lady or doing it for like, I don't know what keeping up with the Joneses maybe or whatever, or just voyeurism or wasting time or whatever. But my friend, she, her whole thing is no, you get to make your social media experience what you want and it should be beneficial to you, not frustrating to you. You know, yeah.
1: Twitter, there's like a quote about like Twitter is for to follow people you don't know. And like Facebook is for people you do know.
0: I'm really you know. not on Twitter.
1: Yeah. I don't know how other people use it. Um, but like, I've got like a lengthy, like you can mute different kinds of words. Um, so I have a large muted word list to like block out politics and other like current events and things just because I can, I can get that from other sources. Right. I'm yeah. trying to use this for work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's smart. You're making it work for you. The question is, does someone have access to this list of muted words? And are you on some sort of list of people now? <laughs> this guy. I don't this know. If, guy, we need to watch him.
1: Yeah, right. I know if someone if like we publish that list, I don't I think some people would be pretty offended.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I I get it.
1: Like just think about like all the current events. You know the news cycle. I block all that. Like, there's something every week that I have to add to the list.
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: cleans up my feed, so I can like focus on my work.
0: What What do you think of people who sort of have a brand or a shtick or a a path on social media, and then they start throwing in current events? I mean, I think some people like to use their fame or platform for good, okay. and maybe that's what they think they're mm-hmm. doing. But then there's other people who are like, stick to comedy. What are you doing? You know,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. That's That's a hard hard. one. I don't know because, like, maybe you develop that platform so you could have a voice. I don't know. But for someone like me, then if you develop your platform and I followed you for work, then I'm gonna like mute you. (laughs) So then you (laughs) then you have zero voice in your life. And yeah, just for me. Yeah. Um so like no, but
0: I mean they have zero voice in your life. I mean right.
1: Even though that's exactly like opposite
0: of their intent. Though you could say that by doing that, they're further curating their ideal person, their ideal follower. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And maybe getting more people who would be who would like their shtick, but also their
1: I mean they're just talking to you know then i guess the 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 worst of it is then or the worst possibility is they're only talking to people who agree with them
0: yeah yeah that's tough so
1: i don't i don't know if it's helpful
0: <laughs> mm, yeah i don't know either I,
1: I don't know this world is strange that we live in right and like how do you talk about all these like tough subjects nobody wants to listen to each other
0: <laughs> well i think it's so hard because people's feelings get hurt too and and then you just don't get anywhere People get mad. But, hey, I've got, like, 10 minutes before my children come home, and I'm going to need a dating update from you.
1: Oh, my. When's, when's the last time we recorded? It's been a while, right?
0: It's been a while. So just why don't you update in the last, like, two months what's been going on oh, in well,
1: The last two months has been the same as the last, like, four or five months. <laughs> I've had, like, I think I've had one date. Was that that was pretty recent, right? Yeah, yeah. I had one date a few weeks ago. Went and got coffee like on a Saturday morning. Seemed to go well. And then, you know, I messaged later saying, Hey, love to get to know you more. Um, if you're up for a second date, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then I get the same response of, Hey, you're a nice guy. I don't see it working out. Good luck. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, So that's,
0: (laughs) that felt great.
1: (laughs) So that's, that's the update. Just so I had, I've had like one date in four months. Um, But
0: that was partially by choice, right? Because you've been traveling a lot. You probably haven't been putting,
1: I mean, I don't know that
0: I've, I feel like you said you, you haven't been looking at the apps because you've been traveling and stuff.
1: I mean, I've been looking at them, but like I'm matched with the whole people, a whole lot of people, or like, I guess there's some truth in that. Like when I'm, been traveling like been exhausted and so then I don't want to put the effort into like a small talk and all that stuff um but then again uh just haven't had a whole lot of luck on there I think I'm almost ready to do what you say and drop them all together yeah definitely yeah the the league I told you is one of them that I'm on Mm -hmm. that one I think I've had one date in the last year that I've been on there, so I'm ready to drop that one. That one's, I think, kind of a different crowd than than what I am. I
0: don't think I fit you know, in that crowd. Well, last time you were here a couple months ago in the summer, you had a consult with my friend Ashley at the pool, and her thought <laughs> was—I <laughs> I forgot that about you, that. her thought was that you should go ahead and get involved with Habitat for Humanity there in Dallas and uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. hang out and meet people. Like not with the dating, just meet people, put yourself under the faucet. And when the faucet turns on, it's going to turn on, you know, and you'll be ready.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, that's all I was trying to do with the apps. Um, Yeah. I need to do that. I know,
0: but Mark, this is, they're not working. They suck. They're terrible. God, (laughs) so hard. Listen, I'm praying for you. And here's your homework. In the next week, I want you to research Habitat for Humanity activities and report back to me, please. Okay. You don't have to go to one. You don't have to join one. I want you to research it.
1: Baby steps.
0: Baby steps. You have one week from today. Today's Tuesday, <laughs> August the 20th. I'm going to need you to report back by the 27th, which also means you need to edit this podcast in some sort of normal amount of time so that people aren't listening to this in October and being like, what's wrong with them?
1: <laughs> yeah. would love to hear uh, the people's thoughts on what they make of this dating scene of today. I don't know. Uh, I think what most of our audience are people like you though, right there might be maybe, moms maybe. and families.
0: I don't know. Maybe, but I do have some Dallas connections. I've got a friend. We don't know her well, but she's got a girl in Dallas that she wants you to meet so bad. And I don't know how to make that happen. Cause I feel like if I give you her information, you're just never going to do anything with it.
1: That's possible. <laughs> I just,
0: or I don't know what to do with you.
1: I don't know. I think I'm also afraid of being set up because yeah. what if I'm not interested? And then I don't know, then it becomes weird between you and your friend. I don't know.
0: We're not that close, so it'll be okay. We'll just. Be like, <laughs> well, we tried. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. We need to sign yeah. off. My children are about to fly through the door. Okay. This was really fun. Thank you. It was. for it was. Good. Uh Telling me about your career path. That was very interesting.
1: Yeah, I learned about you as well today. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, you know what? I should have gone into the uh, whole working at the bank thing more. I was a teller for several months, and I loved it. I loved counting massive amounts of money. <laughs> it was so fun. Huh. I had some wild hair and wild nails. I got pulled into the bank manager's office once to be told that my appearance was too wild. Really?
1: Uh-huh. No way. My you, feelings you were have super a- hurt oh no do you have Mm -hmm. a picture from that era Uh,
0: maybe I definitely went home and cried and then not too long after that oh yeah stuff like that back in the day hurt my feelings so bad because I thought I was cute and fun Mm -hmm. but (sighs) that wouldn't hurt my feelings now you're bringing in
1: the business to the bank
0: well I was so young man I was probably 21 when I got that job and you know it just was it was a fun experience, but these were small town Kentucky folks and Miss Tara, who had lived all over and also was somehow yet very naive. It was not a good mix. And not too long after that, Dave and I moved. So it was fine. Worked self out.
1: <laughs> mm. Well, all right.
0: Okay. Let's sign T- off.
1: <laughs> or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> all right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.